a dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live and something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn But no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle Well Jody, let me say welcome to Veteran State of Mind, mate It's good to have you on here at last We've been planning this a long time It is a true fucking honour Am I allowed to? Yeah, I'm allowed to swear, right? Yes, yeah. of course. True uh, <laughs> honor and pleasure, sir, uh, to converse with with you. You and I have uh, we've been dancing for a long time, eh? <laughs> we 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 have, mate. I tell you what, man. I do I do think it's a condition of getting old, but the time thing definitely is true. You know, the old cliche you get told as a kid about like, oh, time will go a lot faster when you get older. You're like, yeah, whatever. Summer lasts forever, <laughs> and then you get a bit old. And now and now and now. A message to him. I saw someone pop up on Instagram earlier. I sent him a message. I thought, oh, it's been a few months since I said hello to him. And you know, you see the message above. It was fucking two years ago. And, two years. Yeah. And you're just like, Fuck, that can't be two years. I'll definitely talk to them sooner than that. But the timestamp doesn't lie, mate. Yeah. Um, before we dive into everything, mate, um, can you just tell everyone who you are? What, who you are? Where you're from? I'm uh, I'm Jody Middick, uh, formerly Master Corporal, uh, Master Sniper Middick uh, of the Canadian Armed Forces. I was in the 1st Battalion of the Royal Canadian Regiment, uh, the Canadian right of line. Um, and uh, so I joined the uh, Canadian Forces in 1994 when we were under a massive uh, a build down. Uh, called the, you know, we call it the Decade of Darkness, uh, you know, the Liberals call it uh, restructuring <laughs> and you know i was a 17 year old kid bright-eyed and bushy-tailed my uncle had been in the regiment and he him and my mom were orphans um and so that's how i got introduced to to the military life and my grandfather on my mom's side was also in the korean war and then my dad's dad he's a serb he was a chetnik long story of how he ended up here and um so anyway, I went into the military with that as my as my background, you know, and being uh, the son of an immigrant and stuff like that. And then, um, so I, I, like I said, I joined in '94. Uh, got my first tour in '99. Uh, we went to uh, Kosovo. First time I worked with my uh, British Commonwealth counterparts, and uh, um, I worked at, right next to the Kosovo airport with the RAF. And uh, man, RAF girls. I love them. Uh, uh, great ladies. When you're on tour, mate, they're very attractive. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I like, Hey man, I like, I, like I said, we, we did inner inner unit operating very well. Uh, <laughs> me and the ladies got along great. Um, so, uh, that was great. All I did there is shoot a dog. I was a machine gunner in my section. Um, and then I got, uh, then I did a, a, a tour in, in Afghanistan in 2003 as, uh, as like a security close protection guy. And, uh, and then I did a tour in 2006 and, uh, in, uh, Panjway with my buddies, man, uh, did a great, had a great time and unfortunately found a Taliban landmine the hard way. And, uh, but you know, uh, you know, I know we'll get into it, but, um, but that, you know, that moment changed everything obviously in my life. And, um, you know, and, and I managed to do seven more years or so after, uh, and get my 20 year, uh, time in to get my pension. But, um, you know, right after I retired from that, I, I ran in, uh, a city council election here in Ottawa or our capital, and I won a seat on city council. Um, but unfortunately, you know, Garen, as we've talked about the demons and, the and the pursuits of, uh, of certain feelings, um, you know, things caught up to me 
around 2017, 2018. And, um, you know, I've just been laying low ever since. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's an answer to your question, but that's, that's who I am today. <laughs> Mate, there's a lot to be said for laying low. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, it's definitely underrated, mate. Yeah. Um, I think we get this thing in us as, you know, people who are drawn to the military and then veterans and especially people like yourself, you know, you want to be a master sniper and all that. You get, it's like, right, what course can I do next? What challenge can I do next? And then you come out and you're like, right, what challenge can I do next? Or what can I do to push myself next? And quite often those things are <laughs> naughty and um you know we just getting started and, and stuff but you know i was thinking about this the other day because i'm 45 now i got blown up when i was 30 um i you know i was an adrenaline junkie obviously at that point after you know we did a lot of great work in 2006 and um and uh and a green beret that i had worked with um I was at his place in North Carolina uh, when, and it was after I was wounded and, you know, my, uh, my kid's mom was pregnant with our first and he, he took one and this guy, the last time I'd seen him, he had been blown out of the hatch of their Humvee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, he'd had his bell rung pretty good. And, uh, and, and, I, and then I said to him, uh, you know, or sorry, he took one look at me and he, and he, and I think he saw something. He sat me down. He said, look, man, don't go looking for that high in other places. And I kind of laughed it off. I said, oh, come on. And he said, you know what I mean and stuff. And he was talking about the drugs and, you know, and the women and the, and the motorcycles and, the, you know, doing 300 kilometers an hour on your bike is awesome. But imagine, you know, just an acorn, you know, flicking your, your fairing and you could be your hamburger meat, right? Mm -hmm. And you got kids. And, you know, there's lots to life. You know, you're not just, uh, I think his biggest, and I saw him years later. Um, and he, and I, and he said, did you take the advice? And I said, yeah, because what, what he was trying to tell me is you're not just that moment in time when you miss death. And I think, and I think you and I have texted about this when we first started chatting a long time ago, when our books, when both of our books were just coming out, it was about trying to determine like, is our life worth living if it's not fun? And I remember us talking about that a lot. And then I'm not sure if that's how you saw it, but that's how I saw the conversation. It was both of us banging our brains together to say like, are we doing it the right way? Or are we, <laughs> are we maybe missing the point? Cause we're both just want to be knuckle dragon des destroyers of, of worlds. But at the same time, we, you know, we want to be cultured and we want to, and I don't know about you, bro, but I don't see a problem with dying as an old man in my bed, you know, loved by grandkids. It depends, mate. Like I'm all right with that. Definitely. I used to think that that was silly, but I don't see anything wrong with that. And to be honest, if I could, if I had the money, I'd start buying organs off young people now and, and, and extending my life as long as possible. Cause I love being alive, but yeah. it's what am I doing in that? What am I doing in those years between now and being that eight year old man in bed? Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's like you say, mate, cause I mean, I've seen it right now. And I'm sure you, when the Ukraine thing kicked off, there's that little part of you. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, go, go, go. And then there's other part of you, it's like you said, it's like, you know, rather than an acorn hitting you while on, when you're on a bike, it's you pop your head up at the wrong moment and boom, that's it. Lights are out and they ain't coming back on. And um, I think maybe that's the difference of where we are now is that now we see that and we're like, ah, you know what? Yeah, that buzz would be cool, but I kind of like being alive. Yeah, and we're not, you know, you're not in the uniform anymore. Um, you know, you don't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. Like, I, I appreciate what's going on but you know like uh in canada you know we're 155 years old now and i sell people like there's pubs in london older than that 
way older than that. And and this stuff in Ukraine, it's kind of personal and it's very ancient. And what's my what? So what would my dog be in the fight besides, you know, standing up to a bully, which is what people are saying Russia is being right? Um, well, for now, because I have kids and 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 I've been there and done that, like you were saying, it's not it's not worth the it's not worth the the squeeze, right? The juice isn't worth the squeeze at this point. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, and, and I've and I follow you on social media, and you follow me, and you know, we both have a bit of a rebellious streak in us uh, when it comes to things, but we also both really appreciate order, you know, and and so you know, for me, if I can affect order and my immediate area like that's that's my concern at this point with what's happening right like that even if that tug at the strings like i get tugged back do you have kids yet no i don't or just your kid your cat just my cat mate i was i wasn't even gonna say that but yeah you're right my cat just poppy i love that guy i love your cat man um but no like i think since you know my daughters are 10 and 13 now and so you know but they're looking at the world through tiktok Mm. and, and shit like that and you know uh they both have phones i got you know i'm not someone who wants to hide the world from their kids because uh you know i saw kids much younger than them at their age now watching me walk through their village uh after i just blew the shit out of their town square you know uh with a with a strike or whatever and and, you know and they and they smile and then you give them candy and and so you know they have their phones and they'll get texts saying you know click this for for free money or you know and then or this or that and and uh, and then they'll get updates i guess there's updates that they get about what's happening in the world and they'll ask me you know like what's going on with putin and what's going on with this and i and i want them to understand this world so that it's not a, a big surprise to them you know and i and i want to make sure that whatever we do on our end it solidifies what we have uh rather than risking it over there i don't know did i lose my train of thought there i think i did no. a little bit no no mate, that that makes sense like you said it's it's the juice being worth a squeeze is is a great is a great saying, I think. And you know, in terms of people going to the Ukraine, like at the end of the day, you know, I, I've said that I do think a lot of people go into liability. There'll be some people going who are not liability, but I I do think as well. I'm like, can you really move the needle? You know, like on what's going on over there. Like, um, and and when I think about it, like you know, talk about just is was something a just cause. I say this all the time. I fucking knew Iraq wasn't a just cause. And I thought Afghanistan was a load of bollocks. And I went there for the personal reasons of I wanted to have something thrilling. I know. I mean, so I, I, I really, right. I actually kind of get annoyed, especially with British veterans. Cause I get it from an American point of view. Cause they are spoon fed patriotism and all like a lot of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But in, in Britain, it's like most people like would have knew it was kind of full of shit, but it's like you went anyway. And then also kept like most of us kept going. And it's like, I'm sure you would have kept going if you hadn't have had what happened to you. And it's like, you know, there's, yeah, maybe this, at first you might have a bit of a rosy view. I think what you're talking about is there's those of us that understand our role in the grand scheme of the history of the planet, right? And then there's those that think that, that what we did was special, hmm. right? Yeah. And what we did was maintenance, Right. Like, you know, um, you know, and I'm not going to say I disagree with your conclusion, but I, I don't believe it was bullocks as you, as you guys say, like bullshit, uh, <laughs> as we say, like, I think that, I think that how, you know, how it was painted and, and how it was, how it was handled, you know, turned into bullshit. But I, if you look at the history of warfare, most of them succeed despite the plans of their commanders and, and the political means of the, of their masters. And I think what I'm getting at is, 
you and I, as members of a first, both members of first world nations, yours especially being the mother of, of even of mine, we understand that society and history and t- culture needs a little bit of a brush fire now and then. Mm-hmm. Sure, definitely. And and that's what and that's what these are. These are controlled burns, so to speak. You know, because I, I compare what we did in in a, in a we didn't go to Iraq at first. We our SF did after, but um, you know, Kosovo, uh, Af- Kabul, my first tour, K- Kandahar, the second tour. You know, it's it's less about war fighting and, and and all that it's more about like um it, you're almost policing right like you know the bloods and the crips uh, are never going away the hell's angels are never leaving the you know that motorcycle there's gonna be hover bike hell's angels in the future you watch <laughs> you know just, they, they, you know look through history your history guy like your books about rome and this you know they hunted down the cathards and this they're still around everybody's still around you can't get rid of ideas and stuff so what what we're doing as loyal members of the of the Queen's Armed Forces is we're just holding them back a little bit, you know, for for our time, you know. And and, and if you look at it at how much we do with how little the resources required are very little at this point, you know. But so we're able to affect a job that you know whether we see the the outcomes as favorable or not, you know, the world go history marches on. You know, and we played our part proudly. Um, and we understand, though, that the, it's just a part of, of how the future will unfold. And I'm not trying to be too philosophical on you, but I just, I hate feeling like I got tricked. Yeah, but the, this but this is my thing, man. And I always try and put this, because like my, my thing is, I don't feel like we were holding anyone back. I think probably we're the ones that needed holding back, really. But what I was, what like, what do, you, what do you mean though? So what I, what I mean is, back. it's when you look at like, who is the aggressor in these situations? Really? It was like, oh, okay. I went to Iraq, yeah, yeah. I went to Afghanistan. I mean, we were the, clearly the aggressors. Now you can make an, you no, can no, make, I don't deny that. Yeah. So you can make an argument for like uh, offensive defense, right? So you can make that argument, but let's just say, so the whole getting tricked thing, I always say to this to people, just because you think like a bunch of people got rich off the back of what you did and stuff doesn't mean you got tricked. Because we all volunteered and we all right. enjoyed camaraderie. We enjoyed the brotherhood. We enjoyed the thrills. And like, if someone had said to me, you can go to Afghanistan, you can be a machine gunner, you're going to get some contacts and you know, um, it's, you, you're going to go with a great group of guys. We're not going to pay you anything. I'd said, I don't care. Fucking send me anyway. So there was no trickery involved, man. I wanted to go and do soldiering. And I think that's the truth for most of us. Yeah. So like, was there stuff on like a geopolitical level where people told porky pies about weapons? Yeah, but none of us went. No, I don't think there was anyone in my tent in Iraq who was like, I'm here for WMDs. Oh, yeah. No, it was like, you okay. know, everyone was there for a salary or for a scrap or both. It's the job. It's the I happened to be in a job at the time where a 9-11, I was on my sniper course and they said, hey, can you go uh, kill Afghan? Go kill Taliban for us over nine eleven. I went. Of course I can. You know, if you're right, if I hadn't been wounded, uh, Garrett, I would one hundred percent still be out there. You know, chasing chasing that uh, that because it's because to me it's I you know I just believe in it. I believe in what it ultimately stands for. You know, and um, and I believe that it makes what we do worth it, even if. You know, even if in the time it can be painted in, in a different light, you know? Well, I think as well, you can believe in being a warrior for the sake and, and fighting for the sake of fighting. 
Because as you said, there's always been war. There probably always be, will be war. And that's why I've always said to people, like, look, I have no drama with us turning up somewhere, an enemy turning up somewhere, and we duke it out. Right. I mean, where I have, where I have an issue is, like, right now we're seeing it in Ukraine. Who's caught in the middle of it? Civilians, they, they don't want any part of that warrior's life. And why should they, you know? And that, that's where modern war is, is obviously, uh, well, not, I mean, it happened in the past too, but you know what, mate? While we're on the subject of Russians and stuff, in the, in your, when you were writing about Kosovo, mm. you had a little story in there about the Russians. Yeah. You remember with, you, can you tell, tell us about that, mate? Cause I, I think little pictures like this really build up who they are, you know, with a. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, uh, if I remember, there was the one incident I think that uh, was in the book. I'll be honest. Like I said, I've only read my book a couple times. Uh, <laughs> the the edited version, anyway. So anyway, the Russians were uh, right next to, to Pristina Airport, and our camp was uh, a little bit down in the valley. But but these guys, man, every time we drove by, they're out cutting wood. They're like rubbing themselves down in the snow. They're doing PT where they're like lifting truck tires and stuff like CrossFit before it was CrossFit, I guess. Um, and then at some point, uh, though, these guys, uh, got drunk. One of them got drunk and stole a B BTR, a BMP. <laughs> I forget which the big eight wheeled one. Mm -hmm. And our anti-tank platoon was like tracking the guy with their, with their, uh, tow missile systems. And, and the whole, the whole area was just locked down because nobody knew what this guy was going to do because he kept, sp someone was spinning the turret anyway. So after that, so nothing ended up happening. Luckily, luckily. So after that, though, uh, we were doing a checkpoint and they, we, there was an agreement made somewhere. So we had to like work with these guys at the checkpoint to make sure that their troops didn't leave the, 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 the airport. And, uh, one of the locals going through the checkpoint gave us a bit of a hassle. And so, you know, we dealt with it and the guy left and this Russian guy, this Russian Colonel, he goes, uh, why didn't you just beat him? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what? He goes, yeah, man, in Chechnya, we wouldn't have put up with that shit. Like he was talking Russian, but he's like basically like, yeah, we would have just stomped that dude into the into hamburger. We probably would have killed that guy. And uh, and we we're just like, holy shit! Like, okay, well, uh, we like to, you know, we like to have a few escalation. Uh, we allow an escalation of of uh, of the situation before we go straight to murder. Uh, but but cool, man. Uh, you know, you do your thing on that side of the checkpoint. We'll we'll be over here. Yeah, man. I I think wait, it's just as illustrative. Um, and I don't know if you ever read, there's a book by that guy, Babichenko, I think his name is, uh, about like the Russians in Chechnya. Uh, I forget the name of the book now, but I haven't, no, I'll be honest. I haven't read a lot about modern, the modern Russians in the last 20 years there's, or so. There's another one called, I think it's called zinc, zinc coffins or something is another one. Um, and like, the thing is Russians kind of look like us as in most of them are white, you know, they kind of look like Westerners in a way, you know, but. When you when you read about their experiences at war, you're like, "Fuck, this is more like Napoleonic treatment of people than what we've had in the last." And you start to see that the because people keep saying to me like, "Oh, how are they going to keep taking these casualties in Ukraine?" It's like they don't look at casualties the same way we do. They nah, just they don't. don't. Give a fuck. And when you look at like, I just recommend anyone read up on Chechnya, read up on the Afghan war, Soviet Afghan war. But anyway, enough about Russians in Afghanistan. Let's talk about Canadians in Afghanistan. Um, I don't think people really understand how big of an effort Helmand was for, for Canadians in like 2006 and, and that kind of period. Can you give us a bit of a, an overview? Sure. Well, Helmand was actually a British uh, responsibility at that time. Uh, we were still in Panjway, Panjmul. Um, 
right next to the desert. And so at that time, we had a full battle group up to 3,700 individuals at a time. And then, uh, sorry, that was the full contingent. And then within that group, about half was the battle group. And I, I, I was a combat arms infantry sniper. So I was in, in that effort. Um, at that time, though, uh, we didn't have a ton of, uh, of our own artillery. We had no of our own helicopters. We had very little uh, heavy strategic lift. But what we did have was being pushed into Afghanistan. And because of that, we did end up getting all of these things through Afghanistan. And uh, I think we lost, I think it was 158. By the time it was done, we lost 158 killed, um, several hundred wounded, uh, including myself. Um, you know, even my kid's mom, she was a medic there. Uh, she, I go like this because she's in the house. Um, <laughs> She was there the night I got wounded, actually. Um, and, you know, for the Canadian Armed Forces, it was the biggest uh, effort since Korea, you know. And, and then in 2006, for the first time since Korea, we actually went on the offensive uh, in September 2006. And so it was, you know, it's kind of neat being part of something like that historic, uh, you know. But as, as you know, the, you know, nothing comes for free, right? And the rush in combat uh, often comes with consequences paid in blood, right? And, uh, and but, you know, uh, you go into that expecting it um, as a professional. I think, um, unfortunately, you know, you know, not to wander from your point, you know, the Canadian people um, were so supportive of the troops, you know, whether or not they saw eye to eye with the political outcomes, like, uh, like you were saying. And obviously today, any one of them would say, yeah, what a waste uh, after what happened when, when, when Biden just handed the keys over. <laughs> Fuck, man. Sorry. You know, oh, I, I left that, you know, as, as, a, as a politician, because, you know, once a on Wikipedia, once a politician, always an asshole, right? Um, yeah, as a politician, I'm just like, wow, like, you couldn't put a sign up that says, I'm okay with this more than you know what just happened over there right um but i also garrett refused to see what we did as a waste you know i went on a tv show here at the time it was a very popular talk show and you know people expected change in in you know a six-month rotation of canadian troops right you know where i i point out to people like dude we still occupy germany and japan mm -hmm. like so change is very slow guys and and alexander the great wrote home to his mom about how fucked up and and, and impossible it was to try and govern uh, the tribes of afghanistan so who the fuck are we to try right i knew what i was like you said i knew what i was doing there i was there for a moment to try and provide we provided 10 15 years of stability right uh more or less like you know a full generation and a half went to school uh, under demo de so-called democracy as they see it. You know, women were in parliament. They saw all that. So they know it's possible, right? It's not a memory. It's not a story like it was to their parents, you know, about how it was back in the fifties and sixties or whatever, before the, before the big, uh, uh, revolution, uh, not revolution, fuck, you know, the, the Islamic revolution that happened there. Yeah. That caused all the change. They saw it, man. Right. You know, so for me, you know, the Canadian experience in Afghanistan, um, you know, is one of um, just, you know, best efforts, if that makes any sense. You saw some pretty big operations when you were there as well, didn't you? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the Op Medusa, 
you know, even though it was Canadian led, but it was uh, it, lots of British involvement. Uh, we, <laughs> actually, the best vehicle on that assault was a British uh, construction bulldozer painted army green that they had borrowed for the assault because nobody thought to bring engineering assault equipment <laughs> on an on an actual mechanized assault like why would you why would you bring that stuff i don't know general why would we why would we <laughs> and and uh you you've seen it too man if you're if you were a platoon guy like you saw and it, you know you because you you just see if it see it for what it is right it's uh it's a schmozzle that somehow fucking works you know anyway yeah yeah a lot of big missions man it's funny, mate, again, to relate it just to what's going on at the moment. When you see how many clusterfucks we had, yeah. and you still come out of it, obviously, like, every death is too many, but I always think, like, how the fuck did we come out of this with, like... Because, I mean, in the terms of history, the numbers that we had were very small in terms of losses. Yeah. And you're like, how the fuck did we get away with this? Like, you know, and then you see what's happening to the Russians now, and, and you realize that, like... Even though we, our, our exercises and stuff, there was always clusterfucks going on. But it's like, well, without that training, the level of clusterfucks is just fucking titanic. Um, and you know, you realize. I think one of the one of the things that exercises and stuff, and I'm sure you guys do as many as the Brits do. One of the things that they teach you is what to do when things go wrong, as in the fact that you have to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Yeah. And I think maybe that's one of the, th the kind of things that's lost on training. It's not about ever getting to the point where you do things perfectly, although obviously that's what you strive for. It's about being able to go, right, this has gone wrong, boom, this is what we're going to do. Because otherwise, like you're seeing it with the Russians and stuff now, something goes wrong in the tank and it just stops and people start getting out of the tanks and running away from the tanks because there's just because <laughs> there's just no like and you're like clearly they haven't had kind of any 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 training well there's yeah and and well there's the training and then there's the training uh level like i was 30 when i got wounded right uh but i was a 17 year old dummy just like they like most of the guys i've seen on on tv here like and i and i call this white on white crime by the way right like this is People are freaking out because for the first time in a long time, this is like white on white crime happening. Like you said, they look like us. They kind of, you know, some of them talk like I, my girl, Hey, my girlfriend, when I first joined the, uh, the, the military was Russian. Fuck for all I know. She was a spy. I don't even know. Early, Probably a hot early spy. insertion, right. <laughs> as a teenager. Um, so, you know, like it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it's interesting that they're just like us, but what I, what I thought about, the training was to tell you like, this is how I always saw it. Like, you know, that's your objective. Like let's say your objective is, as is a uh, building Y, right? How you get to it is, you know, we we're going to plan to go around this way and we'll do an L shaped, uh, assault, whatever, whatever. But you know, um, <laughs> that's be, that, like, that's the, like you said, like, that's the idea, but how it actually happens, uh, is, 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 uh, is combat being able to, to, to react that much faster or get your shit together that much quicker you know in com like in combat you know what did you guys have when you saw a target nobody else saw did you guys have a thing you called out we called it a grit group oh yeah, range yeah, indication type of target some, yeah, for, for target so so you'd think as a master sniper i'd be pretty good at it right but the first time i had to do it for someone i went like you know i couldn't even get the words out of my mouth i was and so i just shot at the guy with tracer until the guy saw watch my tracer mate never fails yeah 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 and so I just don't think they have the depth of experience with even the training, bro. Like they could have been like a basic driver training, BMP, go. 
like you know some of them could probably most of them that are at the front line are probably the newest guys oh i'm sure i'm sure because <laughs> i'm pretty sure that yeah they probably get fucked you hit on something like how did we get away with it how did i do all the things i did and and we and we kept winning right with such low casualties and what i see happening i don't know about you but every vehicle I see smashed every helicopter I see shot out of the sky. I just see guys like you and I getting killed. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and I, and I get a little bit upset because I'm like, well, because I, I know, like you're saying, it's, they're just doing their job as they're told, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they, and you're right. Their, their government doesn't give a fuck. Cause I would say to people, at least I stepped on a landmine, lost both my feet and I'm Canadian. Imagine if I was a Russian conscript. Yeah. And, and you chose to, yeah. Cause you chose to be there. Like we've said, we're an all volunteer force. You know, we don't have that like "woe is me" feeling or like the, you know, it's not it's not considered uh, bad if you join our military. Like you know, like in Russia, it must be considered a like an, almost a death sentence to 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 a lot of them. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, and and it is, and like, look, I mean, obviously, we have to take everything that comes out of a conflict with a pinch of salt because we never know if we haven't been there ourselves. Yeah. However, it does seem at this point that when it comes to that they are leaving they leave the dead behind leave wounded behind um and like i think we took for granted i mean i certainly did how like that's just not a part of what we do i mean look man there's people remember the story about the royal marines who got on the fucking on the on the the uh, um on the armaments of an apache to fly back in and rescue one of the you know recover the body of one of the fallen yeah i mean that's kind of just what we do it's like we don't leave dead on the battlefield we definitely don't leave wounded on the battlefield um you know and, and that the kazavak chain as well like if you were a russian man you probably you probably never would have made it back home you would have probably just bled out and 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 fucking died you probably never would have got back yeah you know we forget how how amazing well i mean you probably don't forget but i mean i think british people do we take for granted just how amazing our medics are the medical uh, you know like the teams like the irt all that kind of stuff the pedro guys the americans forget how amazing it is to have all that guys talk us through mate that day that day you got up um that day like you said everything kind of oh the day i got blown up yeah talk talk us through it mate it was about four ish am we black so we had nvgs on i was fourth in the order of march and uh it was my sniper team and my boss he he was came along anyway so we were going out on a mission and uh and like i said i was fourth in the order of march normal procedures uh patrol procedures and uh we transitioned from a farmer's field up onto one of the paths in the village and my point man went for went first my my boss went second my sniper went third and when i went uh, i found a a landmine stacked on top of a mortar pardon me and uh lost my right foot on the scene they had to amputate the left back at the uh, hospital but but the immediate problem was to get me out of there right so uh, like you said i had full faith in the Kajavak system to uh, that's one thing that i'd seen run smooth in that in, in Afghanistan, um, it was the Kazavak stuff, and and like you and and all gloves were off when it came to getting the casualties in and out uh, out of the uh, out of the battle zone, right? Like you saw what they were willing to do to get you out of there. So <clears throat> anyway, so when I stepped on the landmine, um, uh, obviously mission stops, and uh, because we're snipers and we're the first ones in, uh, we're kind of isolated. So the immediate problem uh was that i was the biggest guy and so uh i had the radio so they handed over the radio they took the 
extension the nine liner and then uh we just dug in there basically and waited uh and i did my best to um stay conscious to um you know stay calm because man like i knew it was going to be a minute before anybody was going to get to us and so the last thing i wanted to do is bleed out right uh before they got there so um it was dark and i couldn't really see so the guys were kind of you know doing the uh, first aid and i handed them the tourniquets that i have uh so they put them on and then um a little while later recce platoon showed up with their medic and they had a couple of t triple c you guys know what t triple c is tactical what is that again tactical combat casualty care right you guys have that fucking maybe <laughs> i've done a lot of drugs since then mate i've done a lot of drugs. <laughs> hey so have i bro but i remember ta- anyway so <laughs> well you were a better soldier than me you're not a medic uh but you can uh do a bunch of medic level first aid crap so anyway so those guys are working on me and what i didn't know was uh, you know the helicopter that has the basket on the side right uh, for casualty evacuation right so that we didn't have that because that was in bagram uh, it had already evacuated an american that day and there was one in theater one wow. shared by between us you guys and the americans and guess who usually had it the americans right so they uh they literally had to take a combat bulldozer which they finally had now that it was six months after the battle where we needed one remember that combat bulldozer i was talking about we we anyway yeah. <laughs> so they used the one that they finally brought over to uh basically plow a, a track to where we were in the village um you know like you know anyone listening or you know trying to visualize just literally picture a bulldozer driving through your neighborhood and then an ambulance behind it right um and uh and so that managed to get the ambulance to me and then the helicopter they did get landed at the lz at Massamgar, which in that area if you know panjoy Massamgar is a, a pretty significant uh location and we ended up putting a fob there um we being the canadians and then so <laughs> so it took a, an hour so plow it there get me on the ambulance drive me back that took an hour so i'm feeling it i'm starting to feel like garen i'm starting to starting to feel like i'm losing my breath you know like when are we gonna when are we gonna get to the hospital here and uh and i was i remember being so weak at this point um and then the medic the american guy on the helicopter uh plugged me whatever he plugged into me it's probably like fluids and plasma like all that stuff you hear you know that the old show is about called mash i don't know if you've seen that show um and uh and i perked right up i remember i i perked right up and i felt great i've said oh yeah this is great that'd and he be goes, some ketamine oh. in there as well mate <laughs> yeah he's like yeah that's the drugs oh. he's like okay it's, they're working he's like okay they're working you're good to go <laughs> um i don't remember how long the, the flight was a minute or 20 i don't remember anyway so we landed and the last thing i remember it was a flurry of activity at the roll three or whatever right like so you, you land you put it on a stretcher and then they're like running in and i you know i remember having a phone in my hand and i called my dad and i said uh fuck what did i say to him i the poor guy i i was trying to be gentle on him eh? and i said hey dad hey hey listen uh they got me and he's like what <laughs> I, I was like fuck i thought my voice would soothe them <laughs> you know i thought well you're hearing it for me obviously it's not that bad mm. um 
called mom. She didn't answer. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I called my buddy Jeff. So Jeff and I go way back. Uh, and uh, I called him and I finally got a hold of him. And I said, hey, man, you got to go to my mom's. Like, you got to go to my house. My mom's at my house. And then, yeah, that's that's the last thing I remember with the phone. And then I woke up, man, and I didn't have legs. <laughs> the doctor. Whereabouts was the was the um, like the amputation? Oh, so they're both. I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah. we, people like can't people can't see this, so I'm going to measure. I'm oh. going to say mid shin. So it's yeah, it's mid shin both sides. Um, you know, everything else is fine, ladies. Don't worry. <laughs> and gents, come on, mate. Be inclusive. Any port in a storm, right, brother? <laughs> what kind of infantryman are you? Hey, I've I'm always up for a cuddle and a tea. Yeah, I'm same. always up for a cuddle and a tea. Uh, every good infantryman should be. <laughs> you know, it's not necessary. Like there, I get. You know, we didn't do the man love thing like the Afghans, but uh, but I get it. I understand it. <laughs> you know, the Spartans were the same, and they were pretty hard motherfuckers, from what I've been told. Oh, I mean, they were very hard on Thursdays, but. Yeah, well, they well, yeah. For them, it wasn't. It was every day, <laughs> every day for the Spartans. That man of Thursday amateurs. Guys, lend me your ears for one moment. Um, no podcast without the sponsors. So, please, uh, please support these guys because they support us. And uh, if you're enjoying what you're listening to today, well, you wouldn't have it without these guys. Um, Combat fuel. They have. They are run by veterans. They are for veterans, but they're also for civvies too. You don't have to be a veteran. They're also for serving soldiers. Um, I know there's a bit of a, a thing in the military, you know, there's a bit of a flap about the old informed sports and can I take this and can I take that without, you know, failing CDT. Everything that's in combat fuel is pucker. Uh, will not get any kind of like failed CDT or anything off the back of that. But don't just take my word for it. Speak to the guys themselves. Uh, combat fuel are really great about um they're not one of these companies where they have people the selling you stuff don't actually know anything about what's in it they know what they know the ins and outs of their products like no one else um talk to them about it ask them if you want to know about creatine ask them about creatine ask them about creatine how creatine works ask them if it's right for you tell them what your training plan is all that kind of stuff if you're interested in pre-workouts ask like tell them what kind of training you do ask them what products are right for you um they will they will be really responsive guys they want to help you with your training they're not just trying to sell you anything um so check them out at combat fuel and if you use the code vsom when you go to checkout you'll get a, a discount on the back of it as well as I say, guys, they're great guys. They sponsor the podcast. If you're enjoying today, you have Combat Fuel to thanks for it. So check them out at Combat Fuel or Combat Co.uk. Uh, sorry, Combat Fuel.co.uk. We're also brought to you by Zulu Alpha Straps, longtime sponsor of the podcast. They love us long time. We love them long time. What can you say about Zulu Alpha Straps that hasn't been said already? This is what I ask myself whenever I come to do the fucking advert. <laughs> and you know what? I'm just going to give it to you straight, guys. If you have a watch, you want a nice strap on there, which is going to keep it secure, which is going to look the dogs do lallies. That is what Zulu Alpha Straps do. They are worn by frontline operators around the world. If you want to see some sexy photos, because they do say a picture paints a thousand words, then go and check them out at Zulu Alpha Straps on social media, ZuluAlphaStraps.com. They um, they have sexy pictures in there. Maybe, maybe you get off on seeing a picture of a helicopter coming into landing with a nice watch and a watch strap on there. You know, if so, Zulu Alpha Straps is your place. They do a lot of stuff for veterans. They like sponsoring this podcast. They do stuff 
for people in war zones, like they've done the recently the uh, fund ri- fund rising, fundraising drive for people in Ukraine. Do a lot of good stuff, so your money is going to right good places. And um, yeah, what can I say, guys? Zulu Alpha Straps, check them out. Zulu Alpha Straps and Combat Fuel, long time sponsors, long time friends. Check them out down in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the podcast. So, mate, you, so you woke up in hospital. Yeah, got no legs. I got a question though about when you got injured. Were you in? Were you in pain? Were you admit like when you were on the on the on the kind of uh, you know were you waiting to be Kazavak? What kind of like were you in pain? What what how were you talking to yourself to keep yourself to not go into like fucking full on panic mode? Yeah, well that's a you know you funny. <laughs> I was talking about this yesterday because because in Canada it's it's cold and it gets very dry in the winter. Again with all the hand washing, I don't know if you. My knuckles are all like dried and bloody, and it looks like I, you know, I beat the shit out of someone. But really, it's just I wash my hands. Bring, too bring much. your wife out here so we can check she's okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, she's hey, hey, hey. Veteran cliche, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily she was in the army longer than me, so if anyone's abused here, it's me. <laughs> um, she was a sergeant. I was a master corporal. I was only doing what I told. Oh, anyway, sorry. Where were we? Uh, we were talking. Talk, talking about like how you talked yourself kind of through the pain or what you know what like the pain levels like right so when the when the fruit when the bomb went off it went up my right side and uh and i had a fat lip and i had the tip of my nose was all like burnt and i was wearing nomex uh uh flame resistant gloves and it burned through the knuckles on the on the bottom but couple fingers it burned through the knuckle area and it burned my knuckles and I remember in the moment after I realized what had happened, because for, you know, for, I don't, you know, a microsecond or whatever, everything, like, you don't, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear anything. I just was on the ground and I didn't know what the fuck had happened. And then pain hit and I said, oh my God. And I don't know why I remember this so clearly. I said, oh my God, three times in a row as I, like if, if the earth could talk, it was probably going to say like, ow, like each time. Cause I punched so hard. Um, and then I rolled over and I just, like I said, I started like trying to concentrate and, and stay, you know, stay lucid. And, and, it, and it, after a while, I don't know, I've heard you forget the worst pain you've ever had. And I believe it because, you know, like women agree to have kids again. So obviously, you know, you must forget how bad it is. Right. That's a great point. So I think I believe it. Cause I, I don't know that it was the worst pain here. Sorry. Here's where I'm getting to bro. The worst pain I felt was when my buddy was holding my hand and he was like, you know, crushing my <laughs> hand and it was irritating the burns on my knuckles from the explosion. And I was like, bro, I need you to, I need you to let go of my hand. And we took my glove off and looked and I was like, oh, look, I'm burned on my nut. I'm like, wow, that really hurts. And then I was like, and then I had rocks in my back, like from the gravel on the ground. And I was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> and I remember that more than the pain. That was crazy. Yeah. That's so funny. You, you're like, you're missing your, missing your foot and you're like, oh, this rock really irritates this fuck, Yeah, yeah. because I'm like laying there and I'm like, what's under me? So I'm like moving around and they're like, stop it, you fucker. <laughs> they're still trying to put band-aids on me. But yeah, man, like I, I didn't get the morphine until right before the helicopter uh, or so right before the ambulance got there. So that's probably 45 minutes in and I, I don't, and even that takes... 15, 20 minutes to really kick in. It's not like the movies where it's an immediate rush, you know, uh, 
maybe it was back in the day. I don't know. Maybe we got ripped off. Maybe our morphine <laughs> wasn't as, as diesel as the old yeah. stuff, you know? Do you, do you think then when, when you got injured, like, was there that part of you, like, cause obviously, you know, you, you've been a soldier for a long time. That was your job. You loved it. Was there yeah. like, when you were lying there, was that in your head at that point? I was like, fuck, like, were you, were, were you kind of conscious of everything has changed or were you just so focused on like, oh God, my back hurts and stuff that you weren't really thinking like, where does my life go now? Whether it was uh, like purposeful ignorance to the consequences of the job, like the possible consequences. I, when I joined, we were under a veterans affairs system that was very robust and also the system within the regiment and within the infantry, uh, especially because of the, you know, it's rough on the body. There was all kinds of like side gigs, you know, like kit shop, you know, probably the same for you guys, kit shop, mess sergeant, you know, all that shit. So you had jobs where you could hide, so to speak, uh, and, and march out your 20. Um, and we used to do this thing called acting lacking, which was, um, you know, I was a master corporal and I was supposed to be a sergeant. Uh, after we got home, I was going to do my, you know, do the paperwork course and get promoted. And, uh, in the past, if, if you, if you couldn't do the course due to injury or something, they would promote you anyway. So you got the pay and it went towards your pension. Uh, and then you just got the qualification later and you did a bunch of OJT with a buddy or right. Like a, another sergeant that was a buddy of yours would like mentor you for a couple months or whatever, you know, that's all inside baseball, so to speak. So you, so all that in at the moment, I thought I'm in the regiment. I'm in the infantry. I'm in the greatest country in the world. We have the best veterans affairs system, whatever. What my uncle was a veteran, uh, you know, fought proudly in World War II, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, to say like this system was well earned through veterans, uh, as, you know, soldiers' blood. And of course, you know, until you need something, you don't necessarily know much about it, right? Um, and so as I got into the system, though, after my injury, over the months and, uh, you know, the first year, I realized, like, they had changed everything. <laughs> they had changed everything. Um, you know, go fuck yourself, acting lacking, you know. Uh, university, uh, this new, like, program was introduced called Universality of Service that, uh, anyway, it, it, oh, also, I wasn't allowed to say I was wounded. I'm injured. I was like, what? No, like, no, no, no. All, all This is for injured because injured and ill, by the way, uh, because, because if you say you're wounded, you get too much attention or so. I don't know. I was so, the whole fucking thing afterwards was so nuts, but no, in the moment I thought I, I'm not useless, right? I'm just missing a couple of legs. There's lots of replacement legs. You know, you read stories about, uh, the guys, uh, the, 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 one of the Greek states, then they, you know, half of them were missing arms because they would lose them in battle and stuff. And, you know, I'm like, you know, there's all kinds of uses. I'm a master sniper. They're going to want to keep me for at least training purposes, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We like, I, like when I joined, like I said, we were in the middle of the, what's called FRP force reduction plan. And it was our, our current prime minister's dad, by the way, fucker. Uh, <laughs> Is that true, true, true though? Is it? Bro, we've stayed away from politics. I don't know how much time we have. Wait, we're but... not going to stay away. Look, it's, it's no ear. It says politics. <laughs> yeah. Well, then. Um... Well, I actually know what, mate. This is a good place for me to say. Because you said a minute ago or whatever you said, Canada, greatest country on earth. And I wanted to say to you, is that still how you feel about it? What are we now, 15 years later? 
So I know on a survey recently done by the UN or somebody who doesn't matter anymore, we were still the best country in the world, apparently. What do you mean? What do you mean? Is this, is this what, like, standard of living? So, like, education, healthcare, like, life expectancy, etc.? I'll be honest, I don't know. Because I think I think it's a rigged survey anyway. And I think they buy... I think, the, I think every government that ever... They, here's... Okay. Because I've been a politician, and I am a politician, and I think of like a politician now, now that I've seen these fuckers up close, like they don't understand, right? Master Sniper, what is that? Like, what do you think that, oh, wow, he's a tough, Master Assassin, Master Find You and Fuck You. So I had to get close to these guys, Garen. I had to get, I had to get so close, I could <laughs> smell them, right? Um the fuck was i talking about bro i got lost there <laughs> you, you, talk, you talk about hanging politicians <laughs> now you, you talk we talk about canada greatest country in the world oh so yeah so oh yeah any of these look canada tried to get it like when pierre or sorry when uh mr trudeau's jr here uh mr justin trudeau got elected we tr he wanted the security seat on the un right he th you know, based on Afghanistan and uh, Libya, all that shit, you know, he thought we'd earned it and they told him to go pound, pound salt, right? Because, I don't know, because he didn't buy enough of the right, you know, things and he didn't say enough of the right things. So, so what I'm saying is, you know, uh, in my, we all think our country is the best. And I still think my country is the best. But, <laughs> um, how do I say this, man? Like I, I got a way of saying it, mate. You like the car, you don't like the driver. Uh, yeah, because because that's kind of that's how I feel about Britain, mate. I fucking love Britain, but I hate the people that run it. Uh, you know, this is a good question for you. Often, I can I feel like a uh, like a not a stranger or, or whatever, but unwelcome, so to speak. And 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 why? And why? Well, I'm I'm a big you know, I'm 250 pound, uh, cis male, uh, heterosexual, like what all the th isms that they throw at you, you know, because you're a blue eyed, uh, white guy. Um, <clears throat> you know, I truly did my service in uniform, believing in all Canadians, all Canada, all that jazz, you know, my dad is a political guy. So I tried to stay apolitical during, you know, my service, so to speak is, uh, anyway, I just, uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought again, man. Talking about basically like what you think of like leadership of the country and the direction of the oh, country. Oh, right. Uh, feeling unwelcome. Sorry. I smoke marijuana for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Legally. That, this is the, that's the one thing Legally, the fucker did for us. He gave us legal weed. And they, and they still have to raise our taxes somehow. So that tells you about it, right? You legalize weed and you have to raise taxes. How the, how do you do that? Oh, in Canada, because they, they love looking for more ways to spend my money. They already get 40 something percent of it and they're still looking for more ways to spend my money. And, and this is what I mean. I was raised on public school. So the crown, uh, especially back in the fifties, sixties, when, when the programs I learned under like the crown and the government still work together. So I feel I, I, I was in the crown's armed forces. We still swear allegiance to the crown. Uh, I did that at 17. You know, I uh, did my service proudly for 20 years. I did four years as a politician elected uh, under the crown. And uh, and I'm told I don't belong. Or my point of view is uh, privileged or it's this or it's that. And I, and, I'm, and I say, I'm sorry if I miss, if I don't see where my privilege came in 
uh, as the son of an immigrant, uh, you know, like I get it. I, I made a few bucks uh, after I got blown up, but I had to get fucking blown up. <laughs> to, to write a book by the way and, and by the way make yeah. barely any money off it uh, either but but that's not the point right garen you write book for the experiences you don't do it for i, I wrote it for the money mate and then i was just disappointed that <laughs> <laughs> i'll say this to anyone listening if you take it from me and jody if you think you're going into books for the money there's a lot of easier ways to do it there's ways uh, get, get into politics get into politics <laughs> yeah there's way better ways to have your ego smashed and your <laughs> this is mate, shit exactly. rewrite it oh mate while we're on the subject of the crown i'm gonna go on a little tangent you're emblazoned with on your cap and your hoodie you have a crown and a, a, a logo it says all okay yeah um is that is that um is that something is, it, is this your own brand is it what's what's the story behind this so it's a buddy of mine uh i won't say his name here because he still works for for the queen uh, okay. but he was there the night I was wounded. He was in recce platoon and, uh, he's a great guy. But if you go on Instagram and it's all okay, all okay. Um, you'll find it there. Uh, also Facebook and, and it's veteran owned. So it's veteran owned and operated and in, in the Canadian uh, battle procedure at the end, we have what's called a reorg. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys do the same thing. So it's like you push through the objective or you're hard on the objective and you call reorg. So everybody that can comes to the center. And, and the last thing you say is all okay, you know, because in a perfect plan, everybody lives. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but the point is though, like the ones that you do have are all okay. And like, and that's just part of the thing. Like, you know, are you like, well, so, you know, we'll see each other all okay. Yeah. Fuck all okay. Cause you know, it doesn't have to be like, how you doing today? You know, tell <laughs> me your feelings like, right. But, but, you know, I just wanted to finish. I know I, I, I know I rant, you know, that's why I'm good on your show. Cause I say a lot of things, right. <laughs> Uh, I don't feel welcome. And I say, I'm as Canadian as you are. And I think, I think that's how you would probably phrase it. I know my American friends, they say, well, I'm American too. Right. Like I'm Canadian. Like if, if I'm not Canadian, like if, if this guy, son of an immigrant raised in the public school system, right. All these things never went to university. Everything I have the crown provided and I'm, and I'm not welcome. Right. You know, is that how you feel? So is that how you feel? And is that is that something that's been very recent, or is that something that's you've been feeling since you left the army, like since you left the forces? Um, well, I realized it when um, when the liberal, when Justin Trudeau won his election. I had actually a friend of mine was running with him, and I, you know, so I'd met him a few times, Mister Trudeau. I met him a few times, and you know, I voted for him the first time. I'll be honest. I fell for it because he was going to change our election laws. And there's a few things that he was going to do. I thought, okay, I don't mind that. And then very quickly, he, um, he just, he became, uh, he became, uh, he's not a leader. And, you know, uh, as a, you know, never mind that I'm a veteran, you know, as a, as a gun owner, you know, suddenly I was being targeted by people. I don't even know. Like they would, you know, on Twitter, you know, this is when I, when they started weaponizing Twitter and all that jazz. And, and I just, uh, I didn't expect this, you know, and I, and I wasn't anywhere in the cards that they even had these, uh, undertones and stuff and, you know, guns. Oh, that was one of the things I want to talk to you about though. Like guns are, are an issue in Canada because, you know, we're right next to the Americans who have the second amendment. And then in Canada, we still technically under Westminster law don't have the right to self-defense. Right. Um, so you know, and so I, and in Canada though, you know, even though it's 2020, 
um, the, the right to self-defense is, is becoming something that people uh, want to talk about more. Um, and, and firearms are something that, you know, we, like the laws we had were very similar to the Americans, uh, right up until the seventies, eighties or nine and nineties, like there was a shift. Um, you know, and I, and I know it's, it seems, we, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, does that seem like an issue that is worth, you know, confrontation to, to you as a, as a British, as a Welsh, uh, Welshman in, in Britain? I believe politically that every free man and woman and whatever gender you want. See, this is the thing. I don't have a problem with these people. <laughs> whatever gender you want to be, bro, uh, or dude, or, or I'll tell you, I'll call you whatever you want. Uh, the point is, I feel like we have the right to self-defense. And I've also lived a life where, yeah, I was a slave or whatever, but, you know, I learned very well how to be an expert in violence. And, you know, you're not going to tell me that I'm not going to defend myself. And you're not going to tell me I'm not going to defend my family. And I don't, you know, like, like how is it that that, that is still, I think that that's something that's like a leftover from, from back in the day, you know. Uh, and I get it. I see the point of it. But, you know, like you could, what, what population in history that was disarmed had a good relationship with its government? Well, no, and and, and like, you know, for for me as well, mate, with with government and stuff, it's if a government was totally peaceful and stuff, you know, I'd be like, and they're like, hey, look, here's the thing, we're a really peaceful government, we want really peaceful people, let's get. But it's like, hang on, hang on, hang on, you guys are going to war, you're selling arms to this country, and and and, and doing this and that. Don't tell me that then I can't protect my family, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, I think, so it's, it's, it's like, look, sorry, guys, the fact that you're selling arms, like from a British point of view, yeah. you're selling arms to Saudi Arabia, yeah. but telling me that I can't defend myself. And my own house. Don't really, I'm not, yeah, I'm not inclined to entrust you. <laughs> like the kind of people you do business with, I'm not going to trust you. But as, as the government and these, and the gun laws in your country go back to before you and I were born, that, that's what I'm asking you though. Like, on a political front in Britain, does firearms ownership even... Oh, mate, no, it, it doesn't really come into it, mate. Is, does it even become a, a, a talking point? Mate, no, no, not at all, because we're so far removed from that right, at this okay. point. That we're, like, I think people are... We're, 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 made, we're way more concerned on, on like personal things, like, you know, for the last couple of years, being able to open up your business, yeah. um, being able to use drugs, being able to... Um, uh, basically just have what I like, I would say we're more concerned with what a, a lot of kind of like really soft, peaceful rights. No, I know. I, I get cause it. I, I, cause I, cause I don't feel like, look, mate, like my, my thing is I don't really feel like the only time I really ever really feel fret maybe is if I go out for a drink, whatever. Mm. And I'm not thinking like I need to defend myself with a firearm here, but I would like, you know, but I don't think we really have the right. I know I was talking about this on social media recently. I know, I know guys who have defended themselves after someone has, has, without provocation, attacked them. They've defended themselves, and then a judge has gone, oh, well, I think you should use less force, so you're going to jail. Yeah. You know, even though if that other guy had never started a fight, it never would have been an issue. Yeah, but what's place. less force even mean, judge? Who the fuck, like, you weren't there, bro. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> mate. It, well, exactly. And he's, has that judge ever even been in a fucking fight in his life? No, of course not. That's like that's my point. People who've never even been fucking sl open hand slapped, never mind punched, are going to tell you the proper amount of force in a, in a, in a life-threatening situation? Like, I, that's my 
and you're like we're experts in that you are not right well i like i like to just say to these politicians and stuff it's like, all right cool so you're going to be giving up um your security detachment will be giving up their firearms will they yeah well no but that's but that's not. what i'm saying to you like so uh, yeah in no, your country you. in your country do you think so like you're saying you don't feel threatened so in your country you're saying that, that there's enough control I, I don't know what what I'm what. So my thing is, mate, on your property, you should be able to do what the fuck you want. So if I want to own a fucking minigun on my property, I should have the right to have a minigun on my property. But in terms of where things like when I actually look at right, here's the issues that I'm going to put my energy into. That's quite far down the list. Yeah, because, I don't agree um, with the know, minigun so, part, by the way. But you don't think people should be able to own a minigun as a gun? But mate, it goes. Like, well, here's the so thing. Cool. Like, like I, I. <laughs> Because I know what a minigun is. Like, you should have a minigun. You're a machine gunner. So, yeah, you. But, like, the average dude getting a minigun, I'm like, okay, well, let's at least have a minimum qualification for that. Thing. <laughs> have you seen? They got they got the little one now. They got a little, like, suitcase-sized one now. They're putting them on Jeeps oh, and shit. They shoot five, five, six. It's awesome. But um, for me, God I just... Bless America. For me, um, the, the environment that we live in in North America, I believe we should have the right to self-defense just because it, it, you know, there are areas where you still go and you're like, you're probably like the 10th person to be there ever sometimes, you know, like, yeah. and it's true. Like it's a, this is a huge place, you know? Um, well, you got, you've actually got legit, like legit dangers from wildlife and shit too. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so tell people a bit about, tell people like some of the wildlife. Cause, cause that's the thing as well. Even if you're not taking in humans into this, into this account, you guys have like there are things in your in in your neck of the woods that will eat you. Yeah, yeah. Well, like like, like and again, well, in in Nova Scotia, like five or six years ago, maybe ten, there was a girl chased down by coyotes. Um, Holy shit! Yeah, oh and they and they got her. And, and in BC and British Columbia, there's uh there's uh, there's a there's a grizzly bear attack at least every every year year or so. Um, but like even on base, you know, there's always black bears everywhere. So if you left your like rucksack under a tree with a ration on top, you'd come back and often find the bear had found it before you, you know? And, and if you're in the woods in Canada, you are allowed to have a, a firearm on you, you know? Um, but you know, again, there's, there's all these rules that are applied to it, you know? Um, but I'm just as a political uh, device though, I find firearms and self-defense to be, to be very, uh, easily pigeonholed into this, uh, negative connotation. And, and, you know, from my point of view, and, and again, perhaps it's because I, I'm privileged enough to be an expert, uh, with firearms and stuff, but, but, I, I, but that's how I look at it. But I also look at it as a born, what I thought I was born in a free part of the world. Um, that use democracy to maintain balance and, and to avoid a, an over uh, abundance of power in any one spot that your choices are your own to make, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I just don't see that anymore, bro. That's all I'm getting. All this to say, like, yeah. I just don't see it. And I don't feel even the people that, you know, I'm a card carrying conservative now, but, but I, even there, I don't see the fire for what I thought you know, uh, North America was based on, you know, like self-determination, um, you know, the frontier, you know, seeking adventure, um, you know, looking out for each other. Like it's, I don't know. It's just, I don't see it anymore. And, and maybe I'm not looking in the right places. Um, no, I, I, I feel you, mate. I feel like I've tried my best to stay optimistic though, as well. You know, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. not saying, I don't think I'm crying wolf and I don't think I'm being over dramatic. I just, 
I feel like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a serious, uh, social issue coming up in our, in the civilized world. You know, you're, you guys have it, the Americans especially have it. And with the Ukraine now, anyway, big circle. I mean, no, you're, you're, you're right, mate. Like we're definitely at a junction kind of point in history where we could go a few ways, but I'm, I'm with you, mate. I'm optimistic long-term. Like I say, I kind of look at humanity as a bit like the, a stock market or something. You go through corrections and you go through dips and, and I think we'll come out the other side better for it. But obviously the, the problem is a lot of people suffer in the middle. Where do you kind of see Canada going in the next 10 years? So, oh, it's great that you asked this question. Do you mind if I light another joint? Is that okay? Of course I don't, mate. Go for it. I'm going to live vicariously for you, mate. I'm going through a couple of sober months at the moment. Oh, yeah? After my, after my, well, yeah, I got too much work on, mate. I can't, I can't, I have to be sober to work, mate, like totally sober. I can't, I can't handle, well, one, I can't, I, I'm someone who, if I have a, if I have a beer, I'm coming through the door three days later after a sesh, mate. I just, that's who I am. I've accepted it at this point. I am fucking a sesh monster. I can't have, I can't have a couple of drinks. Um, But that's fine because, uh, you know, I know that. I quite, to be honest, mate. I love different mental states, right? That's where you and I connect. That's where you and I connect. Yeah. <laughs> but I really enjoy, I enjoy the sober state of mind. But I also enjoy being high and I enjoy yeah. rolling yeah. balls and I enjoy being on doing cat or whatever. I enjoy all those. But I'm very, actually, I'm very happy being sober. So like, you know, at, at the moment, mate, like, because for me, it's like I can change my state of mind through getting into nature, change my state of mind through working out change my state of mind through fucking finishing work, mate. Here's what I'll tell you. I got blown up. I was an immediately a drug addict because those drugs are amazing. <laughs> and you read the book. I had to, I had, I was snorting, uh, the Oxycontin. Thankfully, I never found out what, uh, the new stuff feels like. What's it Fent called? Fentanyl. fentanyl. I never had fentanyl that I know of, but stick away from that, mate. I'm with you though. I, I, and I, you know, I did shrooms in high school. I smoked a little hash. I didn't really do blow until I was in my twenties after my first real tour. But after my, I'm 45 and I, you know, I'm starting to feel a bit like a shaman. I've done so much, uh, never mind drugs, just like different teas, different caffeines, right? Like I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adventurer, right? I'm looking for like, Oh, this chocolate says it'll help me stay awake or think better. I'm going to eat it. Um, so I just feel like everything has its place. And, and, you know, I used to, they say marijuana is a gateway drug into drugs. And, and I can tell you on this end, 15 years later, I, I don't take any other pills. I barely even take uh, Tylenol. And this stuff was a gateway out of the harder drugs that I had found mm -hmm. myself on. Uh, so all that said, um, uh, I, I see Canada in 10 years, Trudeau just signed a uh, an agreement with our NDP, the New Democratic Party, which is they're they're a socialist party, and I grew up in it. My dad ran for them. Uh, he is a union guy, and at the time, uh, unions were supported by the NDP. They're supported by the Liberals now, but anyway. Um, so for the next three years, he's unchallenged because he just won an election six months ago, maybe seven months ago, but he won a minority. Um, and, and the conservatives are having a big leadership fight. So with this deal with the NDP, now he has a majority basically, and he's already said, like, I'm not running, like there will be no election before the, cause we have set election dates. And so now until, uh, October, 2025, uh, or uh, maybe June, I can't remember, but he's, he's solid. And 
And a lot can happen in three years. Here's what my lateral thinking, big 100,000 foot um, view of things is. I believe his goal is to neutralize us on the world stage. And what do I mean by that? I mean, like our military is being degraded to the point where, you know, we could easily say, you know what, we just, we just can't participate in whatever, whatever comes up next. Right. You keep, they keep spending money. They keep planning to spend more. Part of this deal is that they're going to spend another $50 billion a year on, on more, uh, uh, dental care and pharma care for, which sounds great. It sounds great. Doesn't it? except you know when they brought in the medical care and i think you guys have the same like i don't we're not allowed to have our own doctors and stuff it, it gets convoluted it's and when you look at it from the big picture it's it they held they held they held they hold it back in a lot of ways so you know to me it's it's just more meddling in your life from the government but also they've already taken 40 something percent of my money right so so my point is if, if I'm looking long range for this guy and if they have a succession plan, like everyone believes they do. And Christina Freeland is the next prime minister, et cetera. In 10 years, man, we could be, we could easily be indistinguishable from like the Russians, man. And, and not, and just in the way our media is currently behaving with the government and stuff like it's, you know, anybody who says anything about the government, you know, you you see it. They, there's a, there's a, there's, there's, um, there's repercussions and stuff, you know, me personally, bro, listen, I haven't said this in a lot. I've never said this in public, but in 2019, man, like I tweeted something and the PMO, our prime minister's office sent sent a SWAT team of guys I shoot with to your house. And they said, it's because it's because you, what you, who you are, you could be talking about a coup wow. <laughs> or, or an assassin. No, but listen to me, like me, yeah, and then I and and I said, I, I didn't know. They said, "Well, you don't know the power of your tweets." Well, now I do, and you guys are scared of me. You think I'm gonna me, right? Like, so sorry if it's personal for me, right? Like, this is very personal. This is why I brought up the gun stuff because it was one of the things that was used against me because I'm a gun. I'm like I'm a expert with guns. If, if I'm on coke or not, I'm an expert with firearms. Like it doesn't matter. And if I'm a, and if I'm angry, cause I was Tony Montana, well, no, because I was honest about my situation. I said, I'm on, I'm on booze. And then I, and then a year later I said, well, and I'm on Coke. I was very public and it was used against me then. Right. And, and this is, yeah. so I think, and if you look at Z and you look at Putin and you look at other leaders that are like this, right. You can't be, you can't shine brighter than the, than them. You can't have any more money. And if, in China, you can't even tweet about being a baller anymore. They'll come knock on your door. If you tweet that you, you're sitting on Air Jordans with 22-inch rims and shit, they come to your house because you're bragging. You're, you know, so, so they're, so they're weak-minded people to begin with, right? And so he's being directed by his buddies in China. He's on record of liking these guys. So I believe he's positioning Canada to be irrelevant in whatever's coming in the next five couple years because the Ukraine could be over tomorrow or it could last. Oh, mate, that, that, that situation could easily last. When you got to remember, man, that the Donbass situation has been going on for nearly a decade. How long has Syria so, been going on, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so, exactly, mate. so the Russians are okay with a meat grinder again, you know. Uh, but I believe that like, whatever happens next, it's meant to provoke a reaction from our, from our side, a true reaction. Oh, you mean from the, like, against, well, I mean, you kind of had that, you guys had that with the, 
with the trucker demonstrations, right? You know that 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 was that was that was spun that was spun very much as a oh like now we need new laws, new powers to combat these terrible domestic terrorists. So so good point. So like I heard the same language used against me, right? Being used against these people, like just just a few a month ago, right? And I, I dude, there was one guy there with a swastika, and everybody knows he was a plant. And every other flag there was Canadian, right? So there's so there's five thousand Canadian flags. What's the one flag the prime minister decides to fucking talk about? The the swastika, and then he says all these Canadians, all of them, are all associating with people with swastikas. Swastikas, oh, they're all terrible people. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, I think anyone with half a brain can see through that, but unfortunately, a lot of people don't have half a brain. I don't know, man. I. I, I, you would think that though, Garrett, but we can't be so dismissive of why don't they see it the way I do, right? Because that's kind of how they operate. Like, if you don't see it their way, go fuck yourself. <clears throat> if that's how he truly feels, like, like, holy fuck. Like, what's his life experience has been? Who's giving him advice? I, I, don't think, I don't think people, these people do truly think like that though, mate. I think they no, I know think they do, Garrett. Exactly I think that's the what thing. they do. No, you I think I, okay. AOC. It would 100% lose her shit if she actually ran into a real crowd in the like they're terrified of being of being caught up in their own bullshit dude mm. like you know a trudeau if trudeau and his people are looking for an excuse to get mad at at, at you they'll find it is my point well yeah but i that, that, that what i'm saying is man i don't think would they, I totally agree. He's looking for an excuse to get mad, but I don't think he's actually get. I think he's more, he's looking for an excuse to go, all right, got him. Now we can use this to turn the screws. I think these people are, are a lot more calculating and cool than they let on. I a hundred percent. No, sorry. So it's a, what they did to me was brilliant politically, right? It was a, and, and frankly, by the way, I left myself open to the attack by having a rant. <laughs> this is a, I was just having a temper tantrum on Twitter, basically. Right. Because uh, anyway, you know, you, cocaine's a powerful drug, right? So um, <laughs> I laugh because, man, I, I was such like, man, it was so hard to see outside of it, to be honest. <laughs> but that's the one thing I say, thank you. I don't agree with anything they did to me, but thank you for showing me the power of my Twitter, right? Uh, you fucking weirdos. But um, yeah, but mate, you know, it's, it's an interesting one though, right? Because it's like, honesty will be, used against you but again i think it comes down to like knowing who you are as a person and being like look okay i know that this might get used against me but you know and i always think about like i always think about you know i've been to the you know been to the battlefield cemeteries in in western france and belgium and all those places and you're like all right maybe i'll lose out on a couple of book deals a year because a publisher will look into me and go okay i don't associate with this guy what this guy's saying especially over the last couple of years all right cool so i lose some money What's that compared to losing your life? Yeah. You know, and I, I think that that's maybe something the last couple of years, I think maybe you're on the same lines, mate, is we kind of like, you know what? Like it's having money and stuff is, is great, but being honest and being true to what you believe in is, is found fucking more important. And I mean, mate, maybe I changed my mind on that if I didn't have food on the table. So look, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm saying that it's definitely easier for some people to say that than others. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I had a reporter tell me that I was too truthful for Canadian politics and because of it, just everything going, cause I was, it wasn't just my personal issues. It was how I was handling myself politically. Cause I was having a lot of issues with dealing with the people around me. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, sorry. Uh, it, it's, um, 
it, it it's tough to talk about this. I'll be honest because I just never thought I'd be in a position to question the the question the intentions of my government, my own government, yeah. and and I you know and I say that I if it was so great, Garrett, if what they wanted to tell you was so amazing, they wouldn't have to fucking try so hard, would they? Yeah, exactly. And 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 it seems like the harder it gets to tell us something, the more the more they seem to get away with it you know these days and it's because i think it's because we all have that same feeling like well i don't want to be the one <laughs> to say like they're going to be uh because everyone who says that they might be a, a dictator this you know you get in trouble but and then and then you point at the election well we just had an election yeah but but look at how they're behaving you know Mate, i i think i think anyone like so like you know one of the things they did recently was they were talking about you know, right, we're going to set up these emergency powers that the government can basically come in and take money off people. Oh, dude. You know, and so to me, it's like, look, once you are going into people's accounts before a trial, etc., and just taking money off them, there is no way to me that you are on the side of good at that point. Even if you're trying to be, even if you're trying to be on the side of good, you flipped onto the side of bad. You're not when at yeah, the well, when you're I, at the I, I point when you're th thought police, right? In Canada, we have this new. They brought in this speech law too, where you you know if you say the wrong thing, you could be end up in court, right? They they, I just don't agree with them, right? And I but I want to but here's my thing too, right? I as a politician, I need to let the process sort itself out because I do believe democracy is undefeated. And what do I mean by that? I think the English Civil War has proved the value of democracy and and and, it, and and solidified its value in our system of government. And then how we've done it, um, you know, it's uh, you deal from the bottom of the deck sometimes. You know, you you know, there's ways to to trick the system, right? There's plays you make in football and and you know rugby and stuff that aren't necessarily illegal, right? <laughs> so I think you know you got to look at politics from the from the from the eyes of the of the player too, right? Like so, as a player, brilliant, brilliant, pull it off. How did Joe Biden do it? I don't know, but he won. Fucking good for him, right? That's the game. Where you know should the who won the last Super Bowl? Should they have won? I don't know, but it, you know they won. You can't change that. If in two or three elections, the same bullshit's still happening though, you know, and the people are still feeling the same, like because it that's when you got to start questioning it right but i believe uh we do have to allow the system enough time to correct itself and there's a good optimistic note to wrap up politics <laughs> mate before before we before we wrap up today mate um i want to talk a little bit about your book okay um just tell people what it's about and um why they should read it i'll tell them why they should read it because i thought <laughs> we're telling you to <laughs> Well, um, the book's called Unflinching, The Making of a Canadian Sniper. Uh, it came out in uh, 2014, the year I got elected to, uh, no, 2015, sorry. And, you know, the book that the publisher put out was a bestseller. The one I wrote definitely wouldn't have been. Uh, and it's it's just my, uh, you know, it starts as I'm a young guy, but it just shows my progression into the Canadian Armed Forces and, you know, why I chose my path and, you know, it was a real honor to be asked to, to pre present a biography to the Canadian people. It was actually put into the uh, par parliamentary library up uh, 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 in our, at our parliamentary library uh, as a part of the Canadian uh, story in Afghanistan. And, you know, I feel truly blessed for that. And, you know, and as much as I, 
you know, like, you know, you reflect and you look at things. It was probably one of the best things I did to help myself up here more than anything and, and come to grips, you know, and it takes time, right? It takes time for the impact of things and the impact of my book on me uh, took a long time, uh, to be honest. And reading my own book, like I told you, I didn't do that until re the last two years, but it, um, it goes through the operations in Afghanistan uh, and then a little bit about the election. And, um, you know, and I try to, you know, uh, leave it on the, uh, the best note that I can, on, you know, the honor to, to serve one's country and to be elected into office, you know, both, both very necessary parts of how our democracy and how the, the stability uh, and the quality of life that we enjoy are, are, you know, these are things that are part of the game. And so I just tried to tell my book, uh, sorry, tried to tell my story uh, as honestly as possible in my book. And uh, I've been told it's pretty good. And, uh, you know, uh, so if, if, if all those people thought it was pretty good, then I think you might think it's good too. If you listen to Garrett, um, you know, uh, check it out. Mate, seal of approval from me. You, and you've done another one since, haven't you? You, you did um, oh, yeah. a collection of stories. Um, I should know this, shouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> I put you on the spot, mate. Everyday Heroes. Everyday Heroes by Simon. Both by Simon and Schuster, by the way. Uh, Google. You can probably get it on Google or Amazon. Amazon. I'll, put, I'll put the link in the oh, show thanks, notes, bro. mate, so people can just click through. I hope you can get a show out of this. I hope it's not just a bunch of, like, bake you know, ramblings for you. <laughs> that's what that's what the peasants come here for, mate. They come here for <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> ramblings, mate. But um bro, thanks so much for coming on today. One last thing I forgot to ask. Um let people know where they can find you uh online. I'll I'll put the books in the show notes, but you let them know where they can find you online. I'm primarily on Instagram as Jody Mitic, J O D Y M I T I C. I'm on Facebook as the same. I'm not on Twitter. Uh, they Twitter nuked my account. A lot of gun stuff <laughs> on the, there. Probably for the best. Oh, buddy, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I I'll talk to people, especially troops. I love getting messages by the boys and girls. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Garrett, and I, I'm, I assume your audience is mostly uh, UK and stuff. But you know, I I worked with uh, British a lot in Kosovo, in Kabul, and in Kandahar. And, you know, um, and I did work with the RAF snipers, and I know you give them a bunch of shit, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never felt out of place working with you guys. And, uh, you know, it was a true honor to, 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 do, to do business uh, as professionals with you guys. And then uh, catch up with a fellow, you know, because I was a machine gunner before I was a sniper and, and a mortarman, you know, so... Uh, you know, to catch up with a fellow lead slinger, you know, it's always good to make sure that, uh, that you're like, cause I, I worry, I worry that I, that I'm, am I right to think the way, like, am I, <laughs> and then I meet a guy like you and I go, okay, so he's like me. So we're, we're good. You know, well, that we could be wrong together. <laughs> I, I'm okay. As long as it's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the same. Uh, Jody, thanks so much for coming on today. Appreciate your time. I, I appreciate what you're trying to do for Canada. Um, and for veterans and uh, mate let's do a part two hopefully in person if they ever let me back into your country which i'm not sure I'll, is, i know some guys i'll make some calls brother we'll make it happen <laughs> sneak me through in someone's bum are you like, all right I'll, I'll, I'll i know it, i know a guy i know a guy we'll make it happen okay all right brother <laughs> thanks for your time mate and i'll catch you soon thanks for having me bro cheers jody to all of us, a dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live and something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn But no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle